There's some great truths in those words, and it's great that we can actually testify to that together. Please grab a seat. Great to see you here this morning, and again, I want to welcome all those visiting with us. Just did, um, and, and kids, not too long until we get to go and find some Easter eggs. So, as Karen mentioned, um, we started this story, this journey on Friday. And we're continuing it. So if you weren't in the room on Friday, you're coming in halfway through the story. But it's a fairly well-known story. So maybe that won't have a negative effect. But what we discovered on Friday, we discovered that Jesus is God in the flesh. We discovered that God willingly entered into his own creation to accomplish something that only God can do. Now, good through the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, Jesus put himself in a position to encounter the worst of humanity directed towards him. He experienced, just from what we read in the scripture, he experienced mental anguish and betrayal and torture and pain and loneliness and brutality, and humiliation. We have a God who has stepped into the suffering of the world and knows what it means to suffer. So therefore, we have a God that can absolutely relate to anything that happens in our lived experience. That's a beautiful thing. And beyond all this, we have to face the facts that the motive that led to the crucifixion of Jesus was that his own creation, humanity itself, wanted to kill our Creator. That is an astounding thing. And as created beings and the focus of God's love, humanity wanted the Creator dead and God's response to this is that He loves us so much as what's necessary to invite us into His very kind of life. And He makes it a reality. God, through the person of Jesus Christ, entered into our kind of life so he could offer us his kind of life. It's a beautiful exchange and that's what Easter is about. God wants us to be in this loving relationship with him and friendship with him. And in order for us to be able to step into giving and receiving that kind of relationship, the resurrection happens and that's where we're going to bring our attention today. On Friday I showed a bit of a clip um, of Jesus, remember Jesus, Hello. that one? Yeah, those who are here know what I'm talking about. Um, we're going to just continue that clip a little bit to see what we're going to be exploring today. Check out the screens. Once Jesus made it to the place where he would be crucified, called the skull, the soldiers around him nailed him to the cross and waited for him to die. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, many people shouted to him, If you really are the Son of God, save yourself from the cross. But Jesus knew he had to die to forgive his people for their sins. At this fell across the whole land. Three hours later, Jesus took his last breath and finally died. At that very moment, the curtain in the temple that separated the priests from God's holy place tore in two. 
a soldier watching the whole thing said, This man truly was the Son of God. Then a righteous man named Joseph came and placed Jesus' body in a tomb. Three days passed and it seemed that there was no hope. But very early on Sunday morning, the woman who cared for Jesus went to go visit his body and found that his tomb was empty and that he was no longer there. Don't be afraid, said an angel. He is not here. He is risen. At this, the woman remembered that Jesus had told them that he would rise again on the third day. And ran to go tell the disciples what they had seen and heard. Huh? Hey, oh! Ah! And then, for the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples and many others and showed them that he was alive and well. He taught them that what he did was the only way that they could be forgiven and be with God forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Group hug at the end. All right. I still haven't worked out. One of the women who was at the tomb, when the angel was talking to him, she's singing. I, I, I can't figure that out. But anyway, it's all part of it. We finish with a, probably the most popular scripture verse in that little clip. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that's what we're talking about today with the resurrection. What is this eternal life? that is on offer. So God entered into our kind of life so he could offer us his kind of life. The resurrection of Jesus brings a new beginning, a new humanity, a new kind of life. And we need to go back to the beginning of the biblical story to help this make sense. And this is something we often do. I don't know if, if, if someone ever asks you a question about something Quite often the best way to explain your answer is to give the, the background and the history so you know where we've come from to make sense of where we're at right now. And that's what we're about to do. So God's original purpose, the very original purpose when he created everything he created was that he would partner with humanity, his image-bearing representatives, to rule over all of creation with him. That was his original intention. So let us go back right to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 says this, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and the cattle and yes, earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings and created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air and every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. God's intention in the original creation with his people as we, with God, rule over, take care of, steward all of creation. And so God elevates humans from any other part of his creation 
and places them deliberately in the very area where God himself dwelt in his creation. The meeting place where heaven and earth meet. It was a place called Eden. A place where God was with humanity. It's a beautiful picture. And this was God's intent. So we continue reading in Genesis. Man out of the dirt of the ground and blew into the nostrils the breath of life. The man came alive, a living soul. Then God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And he put the man he had just made in it. God made all kinds of trees grow from the ground, trees beautiful to look at and good to eat. And the tree of life was in the middle of the garden, also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God took the man and set him down in the garden of Eden to work the ground and keep it in order. So here is a physical creation with physical beings in relationship with the infinite God. This is the picture of creation. And throughout the Bible, the place where God meets with people, the place where heaven and, he- heaven and hell, heaven and earth connect, that place is often described as the temple. And the tree of life mentioned here in the middle of the Garden of Eden is a really good clue for us that points to Eden being the temple, the place where God is with his people. And so as we understand this, the meaning of the tree of life in the middle of the garden, humans are commissioned to rule and look after and steward all of creation with God, spreading its beauty into the world. God gives humans access to this thing called the tree of life. So when they eat of the fruit of the tree of life, for some, I don't know how this works, but for somehow eating of the fruit of the tree of life enables human beings in their mortal state to to rise above that, to transcend their mortality and have immortality with God, to be continually with God. So you see, when humans live in the immediate presence of their Creator, our mortal origins, our mortal beginnings are transcended and we're actually transformed into something more, something greater, something more reflecting the very character and nature of God. This was God's intention. God did not create robots though. He did not create human beings pre-programmed to think and act a certain way. There was always choice. Love is not love if it's force. Love is love when it's freely reciprocated. We know that in our own lived experience. And so the tree of life represents life that is beyond the original life that God breathed into humans. The first humans, by nature, were susceptible to death. But when access to the tree of life, death does not come. So humans are now given two things to consider. Notice that the first commandment in the garden was to enjoy everything and eat from all the trees. All the trees includes the tree of life. So eating and having access to immortality with God, the tree of life, is not conditional. It's a free gift. But with that gift comes a warning. And the warning was there's also this other tree, the tree of the knowledge. And basically what that meant is is if humanity accessed the fruit of that tree, 
they would be saying to God, God, we don't want to do it your way, we want to do it our way. We want to be God, we want to be the ones who decide what is good and bad and right and wrong. Now, God didn't force that on people, but people had the choice and we see humanity take that fruit, wanting to be like God themselves. And here's the problem. As soon as humanity tries to usurp God, tries to take God's position, God, in His grace and mercy, could not allow humanity to continue as to being immortal. It would not be good for them. So the story goes, God banished humanity from access to the garden where the tree of life was and they then had to do it on their own. And this all happens in Genesis chapter 1, 2 and 3, very, very early on in the biblical story. So we're left with a position where the plot of this outworking just continues from the beginning of Genesis right through the biblical narrative to the end of the book. And the entire narrative is God on mission or humanity to be in relationship with Him. That, that, that's, the, that's the main thread running through this thing we call the Bible. It's God's mission to restore humanity to be in right and good and proper relationship with Him. And we can relate to it because everything we read about in these pages, it makes sense to us because we're human. We know where we're fallible, we know where we get it wrong, we know where we put ourselves at the centre of the world, we know where we're selfish, we know all these things and when we see it written down and seeing these groups of people doing this over and over, we can relate to it easily. But God's at work. God's at work in wrong, right. And so the culmination of God's pursuit to see His loved creation back alongside Him in the world is where this story ends in the Bible narrative. If we jump from Genesis at the beginning to Revelation at the end, check this out on the screen. This is where we're heading towards, this is what the final story is going to be. Spoiler alert, this is how it ends, okay? This is John the Apostle having a vision of what he's seeing when Jesus restores all things. He says, I saw heaven and earth, new created, Gone the first heaven, gone the first earth, gone the sea. I saw holy Jerusalem, new created, being resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. It's a great image. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people, he's their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone, crying gone, pain gone. All the first order of things gone. The enthroned continued, look, I'm making everything new. That is what we're heading towards. And so when we have the original creation story where things went wrong and we have this beautiful everything being renewed at the end of the story, at the end of time, in the middle somewhere we have the Easter story, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it is the beginning of creating all things to be new again. It is the beginning of that. It links the original intentions of God to the future promises of God. And this is what we see really clearly in Scripture. It bridges the gap between humanity's decision to do things our own way, which brings death and separation from God. It bridges that gap for God to actually be with us, just as He's always intended. 
So when Jesus and death through his resurrection, he shares this new humanity with every one of us by gifting us not with some fruit from a tree to eat, but he gifts us with his very own presence, his own character and nature, his Holy Spirit. That's so much better than a piece of fruit. Now, I don't know how good that piece of fruit is. It's probably really yummy. But I tell you what, God says, you know what, I've found a way to make this right. Now, the biggest mistake I think we made with Christianity, in our society, Christianity is seen as this, this religion with a heap of do's and don'ts, bunch of rules, you know, a bunch of things you're not allowed to do or you shouldn't do. This is not the picture at all that we get in Scripture. The Christian life is having the very life of God, freely gifted. And when it's welcomed into somebody's life, the very character and nature of God through His Holy Spirit starts to form us to become like God. So here's the picture. Jesus dies, Jesus rises again, the first of the new creation. And being the first of the new creation, he says, because I've overcome sin and death, because it is no longer has any power over me, I can freely give the same to you. And then when we have bunches of people, and right today, we're a little bit earlier than some because Australia is pretty close to the, you know, the, that line that divides time. You know, what's it called? <laughs> what is it? The date line. Thank you. Is that a show? Yeah. Um, anyway, we're, we're, we're having Easter Sunday morning right now, well before some other people are today, but billions of people today are going to be celebrating this thing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, billions today. And when God, in his plan to gift billions of people with his very own spirit, what do we see? We start to see that this picture that we just read from Revelation, where all things are made new, we start to see that little bit by little bit, interaction by interaction, conversation by conversation, relationship by relationship, the goodness of God starts to infiltrate the world like a virus. Imagine a virus spreading around the world and making a big difference. <laughs> Would never know what that's like. And here, Jesus starts the movement with his resurrection. Jesus gifts his Holy Spirit and as billions of people today carry that Holy Spirit and start to bring a little bit of love, a bit of joy, a bit of peace, a bit of kindness, a bit of goodness in their interactions, we start to see the very character and nature of God infiltrate the world. It is a beautiful picture. And as it's infiltrating the world, the things that are being pushed aside, the things that are being overcome, are all those things that put Jesus on the cross. The hate, the violence, the selfishness, the depression. God's plan to restore all of creation, to renew all of creation, starts with the resurrection. That's why we celebrate it. It's a beautiful picture. Let me read one of, his, one of his disciples, Peter. Love Peter. Um, he wrote a couple of letters that we have in the Bible. Check out what Peter says about this very thing. Peter says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. That is the Holy Spirit. 
We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvellous glory and excellence. And because of His glory, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Here's a reality of living in the Spirit, living in Christ. This is what the resurrection does for us. So with the Holy Spirit being freely gifted to anyone who believes, the temple now becomes not a garden, not a tent, not a building. The temple becomes you and I. It's a beautiful picture. And where we're heading, that passage we just read in Revelation, the temple comes the whole earth because God in His presence will be with His people once again. As I shared earlier, the ultimate picture of where all this is heading is a renewed world, where God is openly available to all, where He's present in this physical world just as He was at the beginning. And all of it's a gift. We love getting gifts. It's a gift. You can't buy this. You can't earn it. You can't get it by having good behaviour. It's a gift. Life with God, eternal life, real life, life to the full is what the Easter story is all about. Can I encourage every one of you to consider that today? And our only response, as Bill shared beautifully in his prayer, is just a response of gratitude and thankfulness. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. So I want to finish today with a prayer, a prayer that comes out of Scripture, out of the book of Ephesians. And I want to just extend an invitation. It's going to be on the screen. And if you are comfortable praying this prayer, can I encourage you to pray it, whether that is out loud or whether that's just in yourself. Because it's a prayer that Paul wrote for the church in Ephesus, but it's a prayer that I think just sits beautifully for us today as we consider who Jesus is, what he's done, and that he is risen. So I I will lead it and feel free to join in if you would like. No pressure to do that. Um, But I would love to pray this blessing for us. It says this, We pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower us with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust in him. Our roots will grow down into God's love and keep us strong. And may we understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May we experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then we will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.